Hello, and welcome to ARC Perspectives, where we will talk with members of the respiratory care community and learn about their experiences caring for patients and building the profession. I'm Lanian Abnett, Vice President of Education and Meetings at the American Association for Respiratory Care, and will serve as your host for today's episode. Since 1947, the AARC has been leading the effort to advance the respiratory care profession and promote high-quality, cost-effective, patient-centric respiratory care. The respiratory care profession is ever-growing and evolving thanks to dedicated respiratory therapists around the world. In today's episode, we're learning more about community colleges offering a baccalaureate degree in respiratory therapy. Joining me today is Dr. Aaron Light, Dean of Health Sciences and former Program Director of Respiratory Care at Ozarks Technical Community College. Dr. Light, welcome. Please tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank you. Um, So I'm a respiratory therapist, obviously. I started out actually at a community college when at the time I was in uh, a mall. It was at the Northtown Mall. And that's how small the community college respiratory therapy program was. Is They didn't even have a building that was in a school. It was at a Northtown Mall. And went through that program, started working as a respiratory therapist at a uh, local hospital, uh, Mercy in Springfield. From there, worked there for a few years, uh, went on and started kind of looking at what else did I want to do? Uh, where do I want to be? What other things can I do to help my area? And at that time, Doug Bursley with the uh, program that I graduated from came back and said, hey, would you like to be the director of clinical education? Have you ever thought about it? Would you consider it? And at the time, I was like, no. Uh, I didn't have really any interest in uh, being an educator. And he's like, well, he goes, I think you need to uh, look at that and you would do a good job. He goes, I watched you in the, the program, you help people out. He goes, I think you'd become a good educator. And so it got me thinking about it. I decided to go ahead and take him up, uh, applied for the position, luckily was selected. And while being a educator, I learned that I really actually enjoyed it. So I wanted to learn more. So I went on uh, bachelor's in respiratory therapy, uh, started looking at, okay, where can I get my master's? And I wanted to get a master's degree in respiratory therapy. Didn't want it in education or something else that didn't involve respiratory. So I found uh, Northeastern's program up in Boston. Uh, it's a master's of respiratory care leadership. Applied to the program, got in, started going through the program, really enjoyed it. Never thought in my wildest dreams that I would go on and get a doctorate degree. And about halfway through the program, uh, Lisa Trujillo and Capos were just like, okay, where are we getting our doctorates from? And actually, uh, Lisa and I ended up going down to Nova Southeastern and getting our doctorate of health science uh together from there. From there, became the program director. And pretty much for the past 18 years, I've been trying to talk to the school about we need a bachelor's program. We need a bachelor's program. Our profession is needing more programs like this. We don't have enough. Uh, What can we do? How can we get there? And they actually did. Finally, there was some legislation passed in the state of Missouri that allowed us to be able to do it. So it was a pretty fun experience. I've now become the dean of health sciences. So instead of overseeing the respiratory therapy program, I'm actually overseeing about 16 to 18 uh, programs altogether. So this is exciting news for respiratory therapy in the state of Missouri. Uh, so I wanted to just ask you a qu- couple questions. So how do you, how is your community college able to offer a baccalaureate degree in the state of Missouri? So what the state did, and this was something that uh, we had been lobbying legislators uh, for for years. Uh, we used to have lobby days, or uh, still do have lobby days, uh, with the Missouri Society for Restoration Care. We would go up and we would talk to the lobbyists. And a lot of times people think you're kind of spinning your wheels uh, when you do that, but you'll be surprised sometimes it actually grabs a hold. 
and uh, many of the legislators started hearing that programs like respiratory therapy, uh, physical therapy, occupational therapy, uh, these professions were potentially going to become a bachelor's degree at some point, entry. And so they said, hey, the community colleges should be the entry point for degrees. And at that point, they made legislation that allowed that if there was a legislator or if there was a change in accreditation or if there was a, a change in entry requirements, that the community college would be able to offer a bachelor's degree in those programs. Uh, so with COARC uh, making the stance that any new program would need to be a bachelor's program, uh, that opened up the door for us to um put in to actually, because we had to go through a big, long process with the state just to get approval to be able to have the opportunity to even do this. Um, and the central part of Missouri uh, currently does not have a bachelor's program or any respiratory program. And so we're really just trying to serve that part of the state uh, because they've been underserved for about the last six, seven years since the program up there shut down. Uh, we're kind of filling a void for them. And the new legislation opened up to where any new program would have to be a bachelor's. Fantastic, and I, and I think that it's uh, it goes to show that the the work is the work is tenuous, right? So it doesn't it doesn't just happen overnight. It's um it's one of those things. I think that um you know people got people have to understand that it's it's many pieces and many parts, and it's many people, right? Yeah, and a lot of time, a lot of time for eight for eighteen years, I was always sending. Anytime there was something that would come out from the AERC or COARC or position statements, I was sending it to my leadership going, hey, you need to keep this on the radar. Hey, this might be happening. Hey, this might be happening. And because a lot of times they're the ones that see these legislative possibilities. And luckily my chancellor recognized it, saw that, hey, this is coming down the road. This is actually going to get passed. I know the exact people to call and called me up and said, hey, this is going to be happening. You need to be ready. So I think that, you know, um, as we as we move for this, and you and I have had this conversation a lot, I think, what I want you to talk about advantages for students getting the BSRT degree. I mean, obviously, we both kind of have similar stories of starting at the associate level and then a career taking us to the bachelor need for a bachelor's degree. So what would you, if I was, if I asked you to do a sales pitch um, and, and talk someone into that, right? So if, if you were, had that, um, if I gave you a soapbox for a little while, uh, I'm curious to, to, to really know, what would you say to people? That the bachelor's degree isn't just about management, being a manager or being an educator. Uh, a lot of times, uh, some of our therapists think, oh, there's no reason to get a higher degree because I don't want to be in management. I don't want to be an educator. So why? Well, the reason why is it broadens uh, your knowledge um, for any of the, whether it be a degree completion program or a direct bachelor's entry program. The courses that are offered are going to be an additional courses in, say, statistics, research methodology. So the ability to read the Restorative Care Journal and understand it, read uh, CHEST, New England Journal of Medicine, and actually be able to understand it and put things, those pieces together to create the best care plan for our patients, that comes from higher education. So it's also about being the best bedside clinician that we can be. Uh, and that's where I think a lot of times people get confused that bachelor's is just for managers or just for educators. It's not. Uh, it still makes you a better clinician as well because you're better able to communicate your knowledge to these people with the understanding that most of our respiratory therapists, they're standing in an ICU talking with a PA, nurse practitioner, uh, physician, and all these people are master's doctorate level entry 
with high levels of training and uh, research methodology and the ability to converse with them on the same level, uh, I think is imperative for us to grow as a profession and to be the best best clinicians we can be. I appreciate that you, you, you mentioned that because I think that, you know, we as a degree advancement faculty member up until recently, you know, that's always the challenge, right, is, is talking to students about the need. And, and I agree with you. I think that it's, you know, so many people are like, well, Lanny, I don't, I don't have a passion for, for education or, or leadership. And I, I always tell people, you never know where you're going to end up. And I think you and I are good examples of we probably didn't plan that from the beginning. But I, but I also think that it's, it, it goes deeper into like what you said. And I, I love that you mentioned bedside presence and you know it's it's bedside value right and 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 something I would ask about and I, and I would love to, for you to expand upon is you know that there are challenges at, at the associate level and you know you, you have limited time to get a whole lot of information so uh, spend a little bit of time explaining to our, our our listeners you know what this helps you do as a as a program when it comes to getting so much information to students um, in such a limited amount of, of time yeah so given that just recently went through all the curriculum development with uh, Brandon Burke and myself uh, on this we, we were I mean it was almost like giddy I mean we were like little school kids sitting there going oh well, we can put this in and oh we can expand on this and oh we can do more here Um And a lot of it was taking everything that the current associate program at OTC does, which is a 10-time nationally award-winning program. We've won that co-op award every single time it's been offered. So it's a good quality program. But we're going to be able to expand on it even further, going even further in depth in, like I said, understanding how to read research, how to find it, how to um, massage it in a way that we can actually express it to a, a nurse and a physician. Uh, we've expanded on our neonatal and pediatric sections because a lot of times many associate programs, I mean, it's a maybe a two, three hour course that they're doing on neopedes. Um, and if you're going into that area, this is not enough time. Our ability to go into other things like ECMO and VDR and some of these more advanced functions of respiratory care that you look right now, it's paramount. COVID right now is, a, is a showing our value but it's also exposing some of our limitations and knowledge, in my opinion, as well. We are the cardiopulmonary experts, and to be able to do that, we really need to be able to express what is going on in our patients and what is going on in the most up-to-date literature. And most associate programs, they just don't have the time to be able to truly go through how to find literature. Uh, you look one of the courses that I teach at Northeastern. Uh, I spend probably half to two-thirds of my time at the master's level kind of re-going back over how to find literature, how to assess it, how to determine quality. And these are all baccalaureate-level prepared uh, respiratory therapists, uh, and they still have gaps in that knowledge. Yeah, that's a good point. I I think that we, you know, and I I give massive credit to to you all at the associate level, and I was there for a decade as as a faculty member. You know, there was always more you wanted to teach, right? There's always more you want to teach, and I I think that uh, you hit the nail on the head. Uh, One question I I thought about would be, you know, how does this, does this affect your general education requirement? Uh, Has this, uh, has this made you guys think about um, adding Potential more general education requirement. Um, I'm just curious about 
about that concept of you, if you guys have altered that at all? Yeah. So what we've done is the way our program, the associate program is set up is basically you have one year worth of prereqs and then one year worth of RT work. Uh, they're completely separate. I know some, some programs kind of meld them together, but ours is set up as straight up one year prereqs, uh, gen ed, and then one year of RT. Um, the bachelor's program will be set up similar in that, but this time it's going to be two years worth of general education and then two years worth of RT work. That allows us to expand the respiratory therapy end of it, but it also allows us to be able to expand the general education to help make a, a more well-rounded uh, student. Uh, we've included in, uh, part of the requirements will actually be an ethics course, something that I know like the AERC has ethics course requirements. Many states have that, but this will be an actual ethics course that the student has to take. Uh, been working with some of the faculty members there on our campus that I would like to have a death and dying component uh, associated within that ethics course um, as well to just help that respiratory therapy student understand, hey, how do you deal with the dying of patients? How do you deal with the death? Um, we've talked as a faculty, uh, do we need some um, behavioral health, mental health component to it? Uh, much more focused on self-care and patient care. Um, and that's what really that bachelor's program can allow that because you have that time to be able to expand in some other areas that, yes, it's not day-to-day of how do you do a nebulizer, how to listen to breath sounds, but it's how do you take care of yourself, how do you understand those ethical dilemmas that we get put in all the time as uh, healthcare providers. You have a, a dying patient, should you take the oxygen off so that they're paying in sooner or is taking the oxygen off, speeding up death, but making them actually more uncomfortable. Uh, those are ethical dilemmas that we deal with as respiratory therapists. And if you don't have that background to understand it, it makes things a lot more difficult. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I think there's lots of, you know, I, and I've always said, and I, I'm curious about your thoughts on this. I've said that, you know, I, we've not defined what an RT looks like yet, right? We've been we've been around for a little while, right? A few decades. Um, but I don't, I still don't think we've defined who or what we are yet. So I, I'm cu- curious as your thoughts of, is really thinking about the future. You know, how, how does this help propel the future? How does this help us, us be forward thinking and helping define us what we look like in maybe five or 10 10 years from now? I think getting to the bachelor's degree point uh, helps on a couple different fronts. Uh, one, from the legislative and financial end, uh, things that Anne-Marie and them are working on and getting to where we can get reimbursed uh, for things that we actually do. Well, if we can actually start getting reimbursed for what uh, activities we do, that is going to allow the hospitals to expand our function because now they can actually get reimbursed from it for it. Uh, so just from that financial part of it, it will be easier to get that across to the administrators. And, hey, we need to be a part of this because we can do it. And you'll actually be able to bill for our services because we'll be listed as a quote-unquote professional, which we've always been a professional, but we need that bachelor's degree uh, point to get there. From there, having more education, having that background will allow more people to look at us and go, oh, you can be a part of this team, you can be a part of this, you can take on these additional duties that they may not have looked at the respiratory therapist as an adequate replacement. So the more times that we have the education to be able to talk with administrators, physicians, and be included in groups, will, in my opinion, allow us to expand respiratory therapy to whatever, honestly, the department director can imagine. If that department can imagine doing it, I mean, it's, it's crazy to me. I mean, being a part of that... Uh, master's program and listening to students, there's people, there's RTs doing uh, 
uh, echocardia brands. There's ones inserting art lines and other places aren't. There's ones that are um, doing uh, Bronx. And then you look and listen to other people and they're like, no, I'm pretty much getting good med treatment and that's it. It allows for the creative program directors to expand that function to whatever possibility they can imagine. Yeah, I agree. I think it, it just really manifests, you know, possibility. And that's what I think about is that it's, you know, it, it's, it's, if you're a department director, it just gives you the option if somebody walks in your office and says, Hey, you guys want to take this on? And, and, and I always laugh. Our, our T's always say, yeah, right. We are, we always say yes. You know, heck yeah, we'll take that on. So Aaron, I would ask this. Uh, I thought about this question. I had a conversation today on the phone and, and this made me think about this. If you could give Give three things that that you did right to get this to happen, and three things, that, two to three things that you would change about this process. What do you think those would be? I'd probably say the things that did right uh, would be being persistent, being a part of uh, the AARC, to where I was always getting the information from them that I needed to be able to pass on. Um, so being a member of the AARC was a tremendous help. No, this isn't meant to be a plug to the AARC, but it truly was. They, they provided me the resources, and then I was persistent with supplying those to my leadership. And I was consistent with uh, Every time I get information, I would pass it on. Uh, I never really lost faith that at some point we were going to get there. And so that would really be the main things of getting access to the information, being persistent with sharing it, and consistently going through and never giving up that we will get to this point at some point. Things done wrong or could have, could have been done better. Um, I wish I would have thought earlier on how the program might look. Uh, because once it actually got the green light of go, once you get that green light of go, it comes quick. And you're always thinking, oh, I got plenty of time. I got plenty of time. No, once you get that green light of go, um, you need to be ready right now. Uh, and it was something that I already kind of had the blueprint in my head. But I thought I knew uh, how I wanted it to look. Uh, but I wish I would have given even more time and more thought uh, and more design. The good thing is about academia is the blueprint is just that. It's just the start of the process. And then as that program develops, uh, which now Brandon Burke being the program director, he'll be able to tweak it as that uh, program goes along. But I really wish I would have been thinking even more about how exactly I wanted it to work. That's a, a great example of of a lot of things that we develop right in curriculum development. Um, thank, yeah, I agree. Thank goodness they let us change that form a couple times. Uh, I would say uh, another thing I thought about is, you know, I, I'm encouraged by a lot of I think amazing things that are happening and happening in our profession, and I think that we're constantly hearing the potential for for new things. If if I was a a faculty member at a community college and I just found out that my state um, could could offer a baccalaureate degree, um, what would you tell me? What would you tell me if I called you? What would you say to me um, if you had, you know, a, an elevator pitch or a, you know, a, a positive statement? What would you tell me? I would say start at the end and work your way back. Start about start thinking about that student. How do you want that student to look when they're standing on the podium getting their graduation uh, degree, how, how do you want them to look? What education do you want them to have? Um, and then work your way back on how are we actually going to be able to achieve that? Um, 
sometimes people think of it the other way around. And uh, it, it was one of the things that I had to meet with a lot of different uh, provosts and deans in area four-year colleges uh, throughout all this process. And that was always the same way I tell them. I'm like, look, if we're going to do like a shared curriculum, which we didn't end up doing, I only want to consider what is going to make the best bedside clinician. Our program uh, will not be designed to make the best leaders, will not be designed to make uh, the best managers, the best educators. It's how do we make the best bedside clinician. That was the focus of our bachelor's program and will be the focus. And so from there backwards, that's pretty much what defined our curriculum and how we designed it was how do we make that best bedside clinician, even like the uh, leading uh, leadership course uh, that we're going to have within the program. It's going to have a section on leading as a uh, manager, but also just leading in small teams uh, because a bedside clinician is going to have to lead in small teams. And so having that thought of what you want the end product to be will define how every course is designed getting to that point. I think it's it's amazing that I, I'm so happy that you're developing it that way because, you know, I, I tell the bedside RTs, I'm like, you know, we, we have so many opportunities to lead conversations. We have so many opportunities to um, be the point people on projects. And we just need RTs that are trained and ready to do that. And and I always tell people, you know, I, I have a leadership bachelor's degree uh, as well as a leadership master's degree, and I still think I learn about leadership. So I think it's one of those things where you're constantly learning. Uh, well, listen, Aaron, I, I, I just want to thank you guys. I, I, I'm a as a fellow Missouri native, I'm, I'm so very proud of the work you've done and what you've got accomplished. And, and I'm just I'm just very thankful for your hard work. I know it it was there could have been days where you could have easily said, you know what, I don't know if this is going to happen and I have other things to do. So I'm just very appreciative that you said, you know what, I'm going to keep grinding. Um, and I know some days were probably a grind, um, but we're just I'm just very appreciative of that. And I think it's great that you guys are doing this. And is there anything else you would tell uh, membership about this experience? Uh, basically, uh, what I would say is it can be done. It should be done. It needs to be done. Uh, we need to get to the point that we're producing more bachelor's respiratory therapists. We need to get to the point where bachelor's is our entry so that we can fully expand our uh, profession. And for those that are like, well, we can't do it in my state. We can't do it in your state right now. Go talk to your legislators. What would happen if? And that's how we honestly got and talked with the legislators, is what's going to happen if respiratory therapy, physical therapy, occupational therapy, assistance all go to bachelor's degree entry? What do we do now? And that was the start of all of our conversations. So it can be done to talk to the legislators, and it's amazing what can be figured out when there's that has to be done. Yeah, I mean, it's it's funny how just con- starting conversations, right? Um, and, you know, and, and I think that I, I would always say this, is that look where we've came from, right? Um, look where we've gotten to. And that's, I always say that we can accomplish a whole lot. We've, we've done a whole lot in our profession. Um, as a young profession, we've accomplished a lot by doing exactly what you said, um, being persistent, not taking no for an answer. And, and it's just another step. And I'm, I'm really just very thankful, uh, like I said, that you all took this step. Uh, I want to thank you for your time today. This has been fantastic. Um, I, I, I think this is going to be a great resource. And we, I hope we continue to hear more states opening this option up and opening up opportunities for students to accomplish this. Um, so thanks for your time, Aaron. I really, really appreciate it. And thanks for the insight that you provided. You're welcome. If anybody has any questions, you're welcome to reach out to me anytime. 
All right. Thanks, Aaron. Thank you. Thanks for listening to ARC Perspectives. Be sure to check our show notes page for information about today's episode, as well as links to our other podcast episodes. Be the first to know when our next episode airs by subscribing to our podcast. Until next time, my friends, keep on supporting the respiratory therapy profession. 